Welcome to another edition of the Volunteer State. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside Adam Sparks and John Adams of the Knoxville News Sentinel. And forward progress was ruled stopped on on Tennessee season, but progress uh, continues here on the Volunteer State. Guys, um, I want to look ahead here pretty pretty quickly, but uh, let's quickly look back first. Obviously a disappointing end to an otherwise, I think, promising first season under under Josh Hype. But what's your, I guess, lasting lasting impressions, lasting thoughts about the way Tennessee ended the season there with with a loss in Music City Bowl to Purdue? Well, I mean, it was it was pretty telling of what they could do this season, which was score a lot of points, score really fast, and not really have enough on defense at times. Uh, and that and that's what it was. I mean, I, the the Jalen Wright play at the end, you can obviously see that that problem that play should have been allowed to continue. Then, of course, you have to deal with the fact that Princeton Fant was pulling him, which is as uh, a penalty, not called very much, but as a penalty, but. The frustration takeaway for me was less about that call and more the fact that Tennessee had a chance to just complete a seven-yard, ten-yard pass at the end of regulation, and you have a makeable field goal, and you win that game, it never gets to overtime. But uh, offense was really fun to watch, and uh, defense needs work, and I think that's most of the tale of, of Tennessee's season. They were a better team than the record, uh, but there's there's some things that they need to do to uh, to get sort of that next level next season. Yeah, I rarely, if ever, uh, criticize officiating. It's just part of the game. But that call to me was was odd from the standpoint of what I've seen all year in college football. It's forward progress. I mean, it's just like, you know, players practically pick up a running back and carry him across the field. That rule has become more and more lenient in, in recent years. It did – used to stop forward progress pretty quickly, but not anymore. So within that context, I thought it was a horrible call. Doesn't mean Tennessee would have won the game anyway. And I thought I thought that was uh, Tennessee's worst play calling all season was in the final drive of regulation. Uh, I just don't know what was going on. Run the ball twice, then complete a short pass, and then throw deep twice when – uh, Hooker was not having a good game throwing throwing deep. Hit a couple early on, but then he was just way off the mark. I thought Joe Milton was in there at quarterback. And so your prime goal there is to get within a makeable field goal ra- range for Chase McGrath, and Tennessee failed at that spectacularly. That, to me, was where the game was lost. Yeah, I thought the questionable officiating calls at the forward progress in particular sort of let Josh Heupel off the hook for probably his mo- most poorly coached game of the, the season. I mean, uh, the play calling you mentioned on that final driver regulation, John, also the clock management. I mean, the fact that, that Tennessee wasted time. I mean, they, they, they took timeouts with them in their pocket to overtime uh, for, for no reason. They should have called... Uh, at least one timeout earlier in the drive uh, to stop the clock after a running play and and didn't. Um, so yeah, I, I thought some some questionable coaching, some questionable officiating, and and a sour finish to what uh, what otherwise was a season with 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 more good than bad. But turning the page, guys, whether whether it be based on what you saw in the bowl game or just you know, I guess ten thousand foot view. But what is next? for Tennessee, right? Like, I mean, I think people are pretty happy in this fan base. They're not happy about the finish, but I think they're, they're more or less 
fine with a uh, fine to, to pleased with a, a seven and six debut for, for Josh Heupel. But I think we all know the way this goes like seven and six in year one. That's fine. That's good. Seven and six in year two. No nah, bars got to be raised. Got to have more than that. So, um, what is your outlook for for next year, and was it altered much, if at all, by the, by the bowl game? I wonder about the sustainability with this with this way of winning, and I'm not questioning it to some extent. I'm just I'm curious because this offense I think can get you to bowl eligibility any given year. I mean, it's it's not a mystery the fact that they plugged in some parts that did not work with previous coaches and even previous teams. When you're talking about some of the transfers. And, and they made it work, and they scored a lot of points. This offense can get you to six or seven wins. This uh, offense can get you in the top half, t- top third of the SEC East. Um, I have no questions about that. I think regardless of who's playing, they're probably going to be able to do that. Can it get up to nine wins, which is maybe plausible next year with a weaker schedule? I, I, I don't know. And, and we're probably going to get that answer in year two because – had the quarterback changed in year two, that would be a built-in excuse. Well, you change quarterbacks and you have a new guy, and so we don't know what's going to happen. But Hendon Hooker coming back and some other pieces coming back, um, you know, there's not going to be a built-in reason of why this offense wouldn't be as good. Uh, so the schedule is there for them to be an 8-9 win team next year. If they don't do that, then you've got a question, is this a – six or seven win uh, way of winning in the sec or is this is this much more i uh i'm kind of like adam there i really have a lot of faith in this offense i mean just the system itself i mean that purdue game even though tennessee lost it scored 45 and they're just open receivers running all over the place quarterback hits them has a good day you're going to score a a whole lot of points. Tennessee could scored, have scored more than it did. I just believe in that system. It troubles teams. Uh, I know other teams do this, but Tennessee is so committed to it, and I really think that gives Tennessee an edge. And then I look at the next season and I say, Hooker's returning, his number one receiver, Cedric Tillman's returning, uh, and I think they can field an offensive line that can do just as well as this one did. Uh Running backs seem to do okay in this system, too. I think Jabari Small's an an average running back, but he had some good games uh, for Tennessee this year. Not a lot. They need more depth, obviously. Uh, Defense is troubling, but, again, this offense, well, it's kind of like Purdue. I mean, Mm -hmm. Purdue won nine games this year. (laughs) Nine games. and doesn't have much defense, and it – uh, but it's Jeff Brahms, a really good offensive coach. It's got a really good offensive system. So, yeah, I think Tennessee could win nine nine games next year. Um, this transfer thing is that it makes you wonder how that will go. We also don't know how a lot of these opponents will do in the East. But I, I overall, I just think fans have reason to be optimistic more so than they did in Jeremy Pruitt's first season or. Butch Jones's first season or, or Derek Dooley's first season. Well, and, and let me say this: the in terms of personnel, John, you brought it up there of what needs to be uh, improved at position wise. If anybody wants sort of the Cliff's Notes version of where they have to improve uh, on the roster, you can kind of see a lot of it in the bowl game. Think about what went wrong in the bowl game, why they mm-hmm. lost. Uh, 
the cor- the corners were not good. Elante Taylor obviously had already declared for the draft and he was gone. Warren Burrell was not very good. Elante Taylor's the guys that filled in for him were not very good. So they have to be better in pass coverage. They've got to fix that. They have a junior college corner that's coming in. Maybe he's the answer. Maybe they have to get somewhere elsewhere. So that's one. Number two, if you remember, Hendon Hooker got hit a number of times from his right side. Uh, the fumble that he lost, I think it was right before halftime, that he got hit from his right side. Cade Mays, the right tackle, did not play. He's declared for the draft. He's gone. They've got to find an answer at right tackle. They've got four starters back, but you have to fill that hole. And thirdly, you need either – I think you have to upgrade at running back. John, you mentioned that Jabari Small is fine. He's solid, but he's not an all-SEC back. Jalen Wright had a had a fine freshman year um, after Tyon Evans said he was transferring. He's not at Louisville. Maybe they need to have a more dynamic back. They probably need to have a power back if they have another guy in there. Maybe that guy scores when Jalen Wright is only a 200-pound back. He doesn't. So they've got to upgrade at right tackle. They've got to upgrade at corner. I think they need to upgrade at least in terms of depth at running back. Justin Williams, the four-star uh, freshman that they have coming in, they, they got over Auburn, uh, may be the answer at running back. Junior college may, guy may be the answer at corner. Right tackle, I'm a little worried about because the two options they use in that game did not work, and I don't know if they have a guy on the roster that can fill that spot. Nitpicking because they have four starters back on the offensive line, but there are holes to be filled, and if they don't fill those holes, they're not winning nine games next year. If you guys will indulge this metaphor, I guess for me, you know, as I evaluate this program, it's like, you know, you're at a restaurant and you've been served a, a good salad, maybe a nice cup of soup. And so you're, you're feeling pretty good about the meal so far, but really you showed up for the steak, you know, you, you heard it's a good state steakhouse. And, and, and so your experience is going to be based on the, the course to come. You're, you're not going to be thinking about that nice salad you had if, if the steak stinks. And that's, I think sort of where this program is right now after one season and under Josh Hypo, like, yeah, it was a nice Caesar, uh, good cup of, good cup of soup there. But, um, you know, the, the main course is, is still to come. And, and I think we're going to find out, you know, the next couple years of, of maybe what the ceiling is for this, this coaching tenure. And, and I would say, you know, if Dondi Plowman's listening to this, maybe, maybe hold off before authorizing any contract extensions or, or raises, you know, like you need to be, over overreactionary here. Last time Tennessee had a winning season, of course they were slapping two extra years on on Jeremy Pruitt's deal and giving him a raise. And uh, ooh, you know they had a winning season and and beat no ranked opponents and in route to winning uh, a Florida Bowl game. Let's give him two more years. Well, within a few months after that, they were wanting to get rid of the guy. So I'm not saying that's that they're going to want to get rid of, of Josh Heupel, but basically just like let's not overreact to this. It was a nice start. Um, and and let's uh, let's see what comes in, in year two, Adam, I think you, you pointed out, you know, some, some positions there that maybe, um, are of concern for Tennessee or maybe should I say concern, but need to be addressed for Tennessee going in next season beyond Hendon hooker and what he did this year and coming back next year. I think that's a given, but beyond that, do you guys see some areas maybe of, um, uh, of sure optimism, you know, some reasons to think this is, this is just the beginning, you know, Tennessee has X, Y, and Z stacked up here. Um, and so more success is, is brewing for next season. I think most of the optimism comes from the coaching staff, not from the roster. And I don't, I don't know quite how people should feel about that because 
you know, Bayless Jones coming into the year was fine, but he had a career year. Cedric Tillman, nobody really heard much of him. He had a career year. He's an NFL prospect now, and he'll come back. Um, Javante Payton did almost nothing at Mississippi State. He has a career year. Uh, offensive line had some holes. I think they played probably better than most of, it was, of us would think. And you already mentioned Hooker. That's a guy that Virginia Tech had cast aside. He had the best touchdown-interception ratio in college football this year, third and passer rating in the country. You, you, This coaching staff took a lot of pieces that on paper looked like a 5-7 and seven team, and instead, they were seven and five in the regular season. They, in, in, as I mentioned, better than that record. So you have to project that out and say, can they do that again with different people? Um, that's where your hope is going because I, I don't think you can necessarily look on the roster and say they have five star talent or even some places four star talent. Um, that 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 gives you more of a guarantee. You're putting your hope more in the coaching staff. I think. Yeah. I, um... Adam really nailed it there. I mean, again, my, my optimism is all about the coaching staff and a staff that recruited a top 15 class against all odds, even with an NCAA investigation hanging over its head. So I kind of believe in the system right now. And if they could set a school record in offense, most points scored in a, all the great offensive talent Tennessee's had through the years. And if they, if Josh Heupel can do it with this degree of talent, that tells me he's always going to have enough talent to win a certain amount of games. I mean, this easily could have been an eight-win team. It wasn't. It was a seven-win team. But still, that's why I don't think it's that hard to get to number nine. You just get a little bit better at, at certain positions. It needs more quality depth at running back. And, and maybe the freshman will answer this at quarterback. But Adam pointed this out early. Hendon Hooker's taking a lot of hits. And uh, he's running the ball. He's getting hit in the pocket. You need a strong backup at QB, and maybe they will have that. Um, but, it, it, gosh, I looked at that offensive line, and I just didn't think you take Cade Mays out of there. Darnell Wright played better than he has in the past. But who in that offensive line it really made you think, wow, this, this offensive line could really be formidable. I, I didn't think that at all. And yet it just – it's part of the high-scoring team and. UT history. To me, most of the questions are are on defense. I, I think Tennessee needs to get much stronger in the defensive line to compete with the big boys. I, I do think this sort of goes back to a critical question that we've addressed on here before, is that what are UT fans in 2022 now, what are they satisfied with? Um, what are they content with? Because, you know, we've talked about, John, you and I, I think, have disagreed in the past about what they expect, where I've said, at one, some point, they want to get back to where they can get to Atlanta and, and the SEC championship. They're not there now, but they want to get there. I think I don't want to put words in your mouth, but in the past, you've said more of an eight and four team people are pretty happy with these days, as opposed to maybe that wouldn't be the case, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, I think Josh Hopple can get you six wins as the floor and maybe nine wins again on a soft schedule as the ceiling. And are UT fans fine with that? I think you can have more consistent winning and trips to bowls under Heupel than you could have Pruitt and even Butch Jones because that thing was great, but then it took a nosedive uh, toward the end. So are UT fans happy with the ceiling being 9-3 and three and going to the Citrus Bowl as opposed to, you know, in three years now, are, are UT fans upset if they go 
seven wins, eight wins, seven wins, eight wins over the next four years. Yeah, I, I think I still believe the Tennessee fan. I don't think Tennessee fans next year will expect to beat Georgia. I mean, they just won't. But I think they will believe they have a chance within the division to beat everybody else. Won't beat Alabama, but you can beat Mike can beat LSU out of the West. So, I, no, I think Tennessee fans will be happy with that, with eight, nine wins uh, the next couple of years. Of course, it changes if you have those eight, nine win seasons. Then you want to, well, it's about time. Is this it? Mm-hmm. Maybe it is. And, and see, that's kind of – maybe this is it. But especially when we get the new expanded SEC with Oklahoma and Texas coming in, you you – you know, you might be real satisfied with eight or nine wins. But you know how it goes. Uh, I just think because what's in Heupel's favor is this offense. It's a fun team to watch. And I'd much rather, I think fans would much rather see you lose 48 to 45 in overtime than to lose 10 to 7 in overtime when you can barely make a first down. Yeah, I think I think continued progress there is is maybe what you're getting at, John. I, I think that's what Tennessee fans want to see, and I think that's what a lot of SEC fans really want, right? Uh, I mean, if you're an Alabama fan, you want to see national championships every year. If you're if you're a Georgia fan, you want to see uh, Kirby Smart break through the ceiling and win a national championship. I think in most places, you want to see continued progress, and I think um, you know that sort of became in addition to his car salesman-like personality, that, that sort of became Butch Jones's downfall. Like when he won nine games in, in year three, it's like, all right, this is great. You know, everybody's flying high. And then he comes back the next year and wins nine games, but Tennessee squanders, you know, they beat Georgia that season and they squander a chance to win the East. That no longer looked like progress. And so, yeah, it was ultimately the four-win season the following year that that foiled Butch Jones, but there were some Tennessee fans that were getting restless after a nine-win season because the progress had stalled. And I think that's the challenge for any coach, right, is you got to keep raising the bar. And and I think that task is doable for Josh Heupel in year two, but every time you raise the bar, it, it, gets, it gets harder and harder to do. And, you know, I think a case in point there is, like, if you want to take it down to the, the floor level, I was hearing from Tennessee fans this year, and I know you guys were too, that were like, Vol's got to lock up Tim Banks as defensive coordinator. You know, and we, we've given Tim <laughs> Banks a, a fair amount of praise on this podcast. And, um, and I think a lot of that, though, is because the bar was set so low for this defense. I mean, it was a, a band of guys that it's like you had to pull up the roster to even know who they were out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in, in some ways, I think that bar was so low that Tennessee exceeded expectations. But you get down to it, and in Tennessee's six losses, they allowed 42 points per game. Now, the offense puts them on the field a lot based on the, the pace of play, but still, you can't be allowing 42 points a, a game and, and expect to win. So, you know, in year one, it's like, okay, this defense, it, it, it surpassed a, a low bar in year one, but everything ratchets up from here, and, and you got to keep showing that progress. Well, and, and I think sometimes when we're talking about that we think they can win eight, nine, what, however many games next year. Are we, Blake, you cover the SEC more than, than we do. Are we discounting the fact that maybe South Carolina will be a little better next year? Maybe, may, maybe Kentucky beats Tennessee next year. Maybe Missouri is not terrible like they were when UT played them this year. I, I feel like we're, 
I mean, I would pick Tennessee to win all three of those games next year if I was a betting man, but I do think we're getting maybe the cart ahead of the, uh, the, uh, ahead of the horse a little bit when we're just counting those as automatic wins that now Tennessee dominates the SEC East aside from Georgia. Is there not as much of a chance that those programs could take a step forward as well? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think you're you're counting all the sure wins in the 50-50 games as wins if you're getting to, to nine victories. I, I think you're not losing any of those 50-50 games or, or what I see as 50-50 games to get to, to nine wins. No, I, I think and you look at the SEC East and you bring up South Carolina. I don't know if Tennessee can beat South Carolina and Columbia next year. Can we really changed our impression of South Carolina over the course of the year. And then it was, uh, you know, accentuated by the bowl game, uh, a really good performance against North Carolina. You know, it's so much about quarterbacks now. And South Carolina's gone from a, uh, hey, come here to a graduate assistant coach. Hey, come over here and play quarterback for us for a while to Spencer Rattler. I know he lost his starting job at Oklahoma. This guy was a front runner for the Heisman when the season started, and he didn't play that badly, completed like 75% of his passes. So that's a huge upgrade, that alone. So I think that game will be more challenging. Uh, But I think Florida's going – I don't think Florida's going to be very good, and Kentucky loses a lot. So, no, you're right, but I still see Tennessee as better. I think Tennessee's better than Florida now. For next season, just looking ahead to next season. That doesn't mean it's a guaranteed win. <laughs> you can't look at the history of the series. You can't say that. That certainly factors into it. And we still don't know how all this movement will play out. Who will add crucial transfers? I mean, Michigan State transformed itself into a, a top 10 team through 20 something transfers. So, that hasn't played out, and it seems as though it's never ending. So we'll have to wait on that. Yeah, and you know, I think another game. Look at that that road game at LSU next year, and and just how much of a mess LSU was this season. So that's that's counted as in the win column when you're when you're projecting out in the next season. And I think probably for good reason. But you know, LSU is going to have a a new coach and, and Brian Kelly. It's it's a road game. Uh, LSU historically is, uh, you know, it's tough, tough to beat, uh, especially in its in its own stadium there. So, when you look at things through the lens of the team that you cover in Tennessee, it's like, well, it's a good year. Quarterback comes back, coaching staff comes back. There's going to be progress. But to your point, Adam, there's a lot of fan bases and 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 coaches thinking the same thing. And and South Carolina with Spencer Rattler, I think, is certainly on that list. And even if you're, you're Florida, you're thinking, what well, can't be as bad as, as this year. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think how many of those 50, 50 games does, does Tennessee win? I mean, that's what separated this year from even being even better, right? You beat, you beat Pitt and, and Purdue in 50, 50 games and, um, you're celebrating an altogether different kind of season. Well, and, and also this kind of combines both of your points. Quarterback has to be upright next year. I mean, we, you know, anything that we say about predictions or what we think they'll do next year, Hendon Hooker has to be healthy and on the field. They were pretty fortunate that he was very healthy this year once he took over the starting role. But, um, you know, I I talked to uh, Alex Golish the other day. Uh, it was actually before the bowl, and he talked about what they want to do different with the offense and how they want to add to things. And a good point that he made was when they came into the preseason, they did not have all these quarterback runs in their offense. They thought Joe Milton would be their quarterback. He could run, but not in the way that Hendon Hooker could. 
and they had to sort of add more of a running game during the season once Hooker was the starter. And Alex Golish, again, the offensive coordinator, he also admitted that Hooker saved them a number of times, scrambling on third down to pick up first downs. That's something that they had to rely on too much. They want next season to be able to strategically use Hooker's legs, but not to have to have that as sort of a, a failsafe, as a last resort. You, you've got to keep him healthy. You ha- you've got to run him, too, because that's that's a good weapon in the offense, but you can't rely on him that much. I, I think they're they're trying to figure out the balance right now of how much is is too much running him and how much do you, do you need to rely on him. Again, that goes back to what they have at running back uh, because teams will attack them in a different way defensively next year, and they're going to have to have a counter, and that's going to have to be a good running game. I, I, I don't think small and right. I think that they're fine, but they're not enough to – to compliment Hooker just yet. I will say this about the 2022 season. I think it will be a better season than 2023 will be. I'll make that early, early prediction on 23. Because in 23, Tennessee plays Alabama, Georgia, Texas A&M. Those are Can they cancel one of those games and schedule Akron? Well, now, (laughs) that is a possibility. And here's a game they very well might cancel. They open the season at BYU. Oh, the heck with that. Akron, come come on down. Yeah, I think there's been some – they are really looking hard at that Akron depth chart right now. Maybe a little Bowling Green, too, Miami of Ohio. And also, in, in 23, they play University of Texas San Antonio, which not a named team, but it's been pretty good lately. Guys, any resolutions for the new year? I've stumped you. We all this football talk. Well, now I'm coming out of left field as we close. Any, any anything? Uh, whether that be in your your coverage or I your... mean, mine mine is a pretty typical one. I don't have a number on it, but I've got I got to drop weight because I I was married in July, then came here for this job, and from wedding day to now, I put on I think 22 pounds in a football how many, season. How many? How much room did you have to add there? You know, you see these football players game weight. It's like, well, I needed to add 15. Did you need to add 15 and you just added 22 by mistake? I had no intentions of adding any, but then when you go to your honeymoon in Hawaii and everybody serves hula pie, I don't know if you guys are familiar with hula pie, but once I discovered what hula pie was, I asked every restaurant, let me try your best hula pie so I can continue my rankings of hula pie. And anybody that follows me on Twitter knows that I'm trying to eat at every single restaurant in Knoxville. And I'm about, I'm about two thirds of the way there, but I've, I've got to finish it up. So I guess mine would not be a new year's resolution. Mine would be like a March 1st resolution. Cause I've still got some, some more food to eat before then. Anybody that sees Adam will think, boy, you know, I, that guy's he's a decent looking guy, but he probably could ne- needs to put on a few pounds. Doesn't he <laughs> listen for East Tennessee? He, he still looks almost emaciated for East Tennessee. I mean, it's a, there's some <laughs> big people you, what around here. What does that here. mean? Wait, well, there's okay. some big people around here, okay? And, and I a lot of girth, like for, like for the mountains? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, Not enough cold. people hiking those mountains is the problem, I think. <laughs> <laughs> the only resolution I make is always to, to try and be the best me I can be. And uh, I've succeeded at that every year. And granted, I'm prejudiced in my evaluation, but that's... Blake, I know you have a – I'm sure you have a resolution. You Well, my resolution uh, mm-hmm. went up in smoke by the afternoon of January 1st. I, yeah, you still had one. That's what Yeah, counts. I did have one. Yes. I was going to treat people more kindly in 2022, and 
the Sugar Bowl experience down there was just a mess, just a, a colossal uh, mismanagement. Uh, my parking pass was lost into the ether. My press pass was supposed to be one place, and it was somewhere else four miles away. Nobody could instruct me on how to get, you know, it's my first time in Superdome. Nobody could tell me where the press box was other than up. Well, I assumed as much. Thank you. I figured it wasn't going to be covering the game from the basement. Uh, I know it's up. How the heck do I get up there? Where's the elevator? And nobody knows where the elevator is in this biz building. So, you know, I, I just kept trying. I'm like, don't lose your temper. You know, just keep it, keep it together. Don't, don't, don't be sarcastic with anybody. And, and, and finally, I just like, you know, the heck with this idea of, being kind to people, you know, you act well, with incompetence I, and get treated like you're acting with incompetence, I guess. No, I, I still admire you for having that goal. I think that's what's important. Nobody looks at, well, how long did you maintain that? Nobody asks. They just say, what's your New Year's resolution? And knowing you as I do, I know that was like, you've got to be realistic in your goals. And that was virtually impossible, particularly if you're going and losing a, a game. As, as I told you, the first game I went to, Covering the Super back in the 1970s, covering a game in Superdome, my car got towed while I was trying to get my press pass and press parking pass. They just towed my car. I was gone 10 minutes. But that wasn't my resolution, wasn't to treat people, people more kindly that year. Yeah, I, I enjoy the comic strip Pearls Before Swine, and there was a comic strip uh, entering the, the New Year wants of you know whether some whether Pig met his New Year's resolutions, and his New Year's resolution was live how I want and be happy. And he evaluated that <laughs> he he achieved his his resolution. So John, I, I may have set my goals too lofty there. Oh yes. uh, to treat people better in in twenty twenty two. So I'm going to reevaluate and say I'll live how I want. Um, well, and and, see and if here's I can. the thing, Blake. You know you have a you have a week to change your your. You okay. can still change it. Consider it changed then. Yeah, okay. All right. We'll resolve to uh, keep plugging away on this podcast, and uh, even though the season has finished, we, will, we won't we will be going anywhere, so you can continue to hear us uh, throughout the off season, and, and hope you uh, uh, tune in, rate, and subscribe, and uh, we've appreciated you listening uh, throughout this season. Thanks for listening to this installment of the Volunteer Statement.